Hey, it's Pastor Brian, and we just finished our 2021 Leadership One Day event. And as part of the event, we had a bunch of different breakout sessions where leaders shared insights on a wide variety of topics. And in this conversation, I am talking to Pastor Paul Tomey, who led a session on refreshing your vision. He takes a look at the first part of the book of Nehemiah and shows us some really helpful principles we can use as we're seeking to rebuild, refresh vision, and follow Jesus into this new season. So check it out and enjoy these insights. All right. Well, I'm here with Pastor Paul Tomei. And Paul, in your session, you talked about refreshing your vision. And you say that vision has indispensable power. What do you mean by that? Or what is the indispensable power of vision? Yeah, Brian, thanks for having me on. So um, I I think uh, almost nothing happens, I think, of any real value in the kingdom uh, unless it is really fueled by vision. And I think vision is something that provides focus, direction, uh, motivation, inspiration, and builds ownership in the lives of people. And I think those are the things, when I look at vision, I go like, those are the things that we all want in ministry, but yeah. usually vision drives something uh, or drives a lot of that uh, forward. And so I just think it's indispensable for accomplishing great things in the kingdom. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But uh, it's not that easy, of course, because vision <laughs> can get disrupted. Talk about what is a vision disruption and what does that look like? Uh, or just say all of 2020 is vision disruption. C-O-V-I-D. Yeah. I mean, there you go. Well, vision get, get disrupted by a lot of different things, but yeah. uh, like our physical vision, I mean, we get, you know, cataracts or we can get, you know, something, how, you know, uh, detached retinas, whatever. There are things that happen. Sometimes it's a trauma. Sometimes vision gets interrupted. Sometimes vision just leaks because it doesn't yeah. stick around. You have to keep generating it and keep it alive and, and keep it fresh. But um, this past year, I think we have seen a massive disruption. When everything yeah. shut down, I mean, the loss of momentum, uh, I think about people who've lost a little passion or they've just kind of felt, what's it going to be like when things come back? And so there's been this kind of disruption. And, and really, I think what we've found, and you know, we talk about this on our staff, but yeah. um, man, the, the, the rapid um, massive change that's occurred over this last year has just, um, and I use this phraseology, but it's just left skid marks on our souls. Hmm. Uh, it it has um, it has disrupted so much that I think people in coming back are going like, "Wow, where are where am I at right now?" Yeah. And there was this personal side of it, but also then the corporate side of it, teams and all those kind of things yeah. getting back into ministry. So yeah, um, absolutely. There's a there's this quote from Mark Twain who uh, he says that um, the only person who really likes change is a wet baby. <laughs> so, you know, um, we change is good. You have to have change. There's no growth without change, yeah. but it can be really uncomfortable and difficult sometimes. Yeah. So, and you can always yeah. count on Mark Twain for a clever you, turn you of phrase. Always right? count on him. Right? Yeah. Uh, so we're in the midst, hopefully, Lord willing, on the tail end of a pretty massive vision disruption. And a lot of the conversation I think culturally is going to, okay, how do we recover? How do we rebuild? How do we, how do we get ourselves back on track? And that's a lot of what you talked about in your session. And you looked to the book of Nehemiah to give some principles for getting back on track. And the first thing you talked about uh, was you said that we need to explore our holy discontent. Talk to us about that. What does that look like? Yeah, I I think every vision in in Nehemiah's case has happened. And also uh, one of the things that was, uh, stimulating for me was Pastor Lance kind of taught us all as a staff a few, maybe it was about a month ago, six weeks ago, he just talked about how to dream again. Yeah. Uh, and that was very helpful. And as I was thinking about 
uh, Nehemiah, I was thinking about some of the things Lance said. So I kind of tried to wed those together. But usually it, it is, um, and Lance would say it this way, complain on paper. <laughs> but for Nehemiah, it was hearing that the walls of Jerusalem were were broken down, devastated. And of course, Nehemiah is a security chief of the, the king. Yeah, This is his wheelhouse. So he he's very sensitive to this already, but he's also a Jew. And he's just, this wrecks him. Yeah. And so holy discontent is usually vision will start with something that just needs to be done. Something that captures your soul in a certain kind of way that you just go, man, something's not working. Something's wrong. Something needs to be done in this area or something needs to be built back up, whatever that might be. And and when we did, we talked about what are the things that, that kind of create that sense in us? Yeah. Uh, and what I try to do with our folks was just kind of go, hey, here's some practical questions you can even ask. Yeah. Is there a biblical imperative around something? Mm-hmm. You know, if it is about discipling people or if it's about you know engaging women in ministry, whatever yeah. that would be, is the yeah. Bible talk about this? Does it does it seem to be something that's really really important? Or uh, the other thing is: is there a compelling need or a situational yeah. crisis? Yeah. Is there is it something that's just relevant for this season that we just we need to do? Or what are the impending consequences of not doing anything? Yeah. So just one. sitting down, looking at it, uh, and um, and just thinking about what's the thing that that I just feel like really needs to be done. So that's yeah. kind of that exploring your holy discontent part of it. Yeah, I think those questions are all really helpful yeah. in in really evaluating and clarifying, does some action need to be taken, right? Right, right. Yeah. Now, along those lines, you you had a chart in the handout you gave folks at your session, and <laughs> I love this chart. And we're obviously talking in audio here, so we can't display it for, for everybody. Sure. But talk to us about the urgency action matrix. Yes, yeah, so... Um, Vision kind of is composed of a couple of different elements in a very uh, simplified sense. And and I don't want to oversimplify it, but it's that there's a sense of urgency. And that's what we kind of just talked about. There's a discontent that goes on. And um, and the four quadrants we have from a high-low scale, you know, like you would see on most uh, matrixes would be, you know, that when urgency is low, and when calls to action are low, call to action is the second half of this. We're like, we yeah. need to, to do something. Um, then people get bored. Yeah. They get bored with vision. They're just like, eh, it doesn't really matter. And we're not going to do anything about it anyhow. So. Right. But the, the other side of that is when, when vision is really, excuse me, when the urgency is really high, but the action is really low, people get frustrated. So we keep telling them, man, this is really important. We need to do this. We need to do this. But if we take no action or we take very little action, yeah. they just go, uh, you know. Our words really kind of lose I, their power, I'm, I'm right? I'm frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So uh, on the matrix, and we'll look at this in a minute, on the action side will yeah. be two other categories, and we'll hit those when we get there. But right. yeah. Okay. So, so number one, we got to explore our holy discontent. We got to kind of figure out, okay, where does this fall on the, the action urgency, urgency action right. matrix? And next, and we certainly see this modeled by, by Nehemiah, there's, there's a prayer element to this. Sure. We got to pray. We got to be, yeah. be in prayer as we're thinking through our vision. We could spend a great amount of time talking about the connection between prayer and vision, but can you just give us a sense, why why is prayer so important if we're going to be effective visionary leaders? Yeah, and I think really quickly, what you see with Nehemiah is, um, he says this thing kind of really wrecked him. He mourns, he grieves over this. Uh, And then it says he he, uh, prayed continuously, and the idea in the Hebrew there grammatically is he he was continuing to pray, and we know it was a four-month kind of prayer before he actually takes action. Yeah. So... You don't want to take this step out, but prayer is really important for three big reasons. One, because it 
and just kind of think, well, why wait? Why didn't you just pray a couple times Nehemiah and then just yeah, do something? Sure. But you know, vision sometimes needs time to mature. Hmm. So um, the prayer is this, is this place where the vision is growing and maturing a little bit in him. It might even be strengthening. I don't know. Yeah. But um, and then secondly, uh, we need to to mature for the vision, for yeah. whatever it is God is doing. He needs to kind of grow us into that process. And um, those would be two really big reasons. Yeah. But the third one is that while this while this prayer is going on, I think God is, uh, through the Holy Spirit, is downloading thoughts, ideas, strategies, plans, things that are going on. Because when we see with Nehemiah, when he comes out of that time of prayer, he's already got some plans in place before he makes his approach to the king. Yeah. So I think it's important for those kind of reasons is just to give it enough time. Yeah. Every person will have to figure out how, how much time they need, but it's yeah. a good time. See, okay, now that leads into a question I want to ask about this because okay. I think that what a lot of people struggle with is that sense of how do I know when I need to urgently take action versus, because there's some, some of us might look at Nehemiah and go, wow, that's amazing. He spent four months in prayer. Uh, you and I face situations every day that we cannot pray about for four months before we take action, of Absolutely. course, right? What are some, and I, I realize there's not a, a hard and fast rule here, but what are some principles we can use to evaluate, okay, is this something where I need to take decisive action immediately or is this something where I might be reacting, I might not be in a good place maturity-wise, or I might not really have the clear go from, from the Lord here. I need to take some more time and marinate and, and pray on this a little bit. I, I feel like that can be a tricky road to walk sometimes. Any any guidance you can give us in how we evaluate those things? None whatsoever. <laughs> no, it is tricky. I think that's the the key to it is it really is a tricky time. And yeah. I don't know, you know... Um, I guess if I were sitting back thinking, and you might, you can even add some things if you kind of have some ideas here. But um, I, I, I would probably always look at what the situation is. So if it's something that's like a burning biblical imperative, but there's yeah. no situational issue that that man, this has to happen. So like in yeah. Nehemiah's case, like this wall's been broken down for over seventy, well, longer than that, <laughs> long but it's, it's been broken down for a super long time. Yeah, and you know, it's probably not going to be built again in a day. So yeah. um, there's a lot of steps that have to go on. I think every person's going to have to kind of feel that. For many people coming back into our ministries, say after COVID, yeah. they're going to look at it and go like, hey, we can, you know, we can afford to take some time to pray on this. We're still going to be doing some things, yeah. um, but we can take some time. If it's kind of a situational crisis, like it might be with your kids, which is like, you got to take action now. Sure. Or or something's going to fall apart if we don't do something in this this area. Yeah. Certainly, you're not going to have time to, to do that. That's less visionary in terms of what I'm thinking, uh, in terms of re refreshing or recapturing our vision. But, you know, yeah. I would probably have to kind of audit the situation around those five questions that we we looked yeah. at, quite frankly. Yeah. 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 No, that's 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 really really important. And I, yeah. and I just I I can appreciate the. Yeah, it's it's situational. That that I think we try yeah. to put hard and fast rules on these things, and it, it can be problematic. I'll, I'll say this: I don't know that I don't know about you. I've not had a lot of situations in my life where I look back and I go, "Dang, I think I prayed about that too much." You know, <laughs> That's a good point. So just to err on the side of, of of prayer is probably yeah. probably helpful. So yeah. okay. So first of all, we've got explore your holy discontent, pray continuously, and then evaluate your passion and fit for your ministry. Talk, talk to us about that. Yeah, I think it's always I I'm of the opinion. This is just me, but that. God's will gets expressed through um, 
a lot of times through our spiritual giftedness. I'll yeah. put it that way. And I think it's very healthy at times to sit down and to go, okay, so what do I do? We, we watch Nehemiah when he arrives in Jerusalem. He takes that midnight ride on his horse um, with a couple of other people. And they just, they evaluate things on the ground. Yeah. What's happening around the city? What's this gate like? What's that gate like? What's this, you know, and, and they're just watching. He's trying to just get a feel for this thing. Um, what, how big the project is, what's going to be needed, possibly what resources. He's already brought some resources, but he's still trying to think through these things. So I, I think it's questions. And honestly, I got these questions. You, you won't believe this, but from Heather. Oh, wow. Amazing. <laughs> some of the questions she had just put to me as we were thinking about this was, yeah. were things like this. How clear is my personal calling in this season? Yeah. Has that shifted because of COVID? Yeah. Uh, where's God affirming me right now in my direction? Where do I sense God moving me into something new? What's my new why? Uh, what are my spiritual gifts? And, and one of the things I gave them a spiritual gifts assessment that I had there as a yeah. resource. Uh, what's my passion? So yeah. this is a, the most slippery part, I think, sometimes of our ministries is like, what's what am I really passionate about? Yeah. So I, I also have a little uh, kind of an assessment that helps people work through maybe helping discover their passion or mm -hmm. at least affirming that possibly in this season. Mm -hmm. So those were some of the things that, that I looked at there. That's the individual side, but there's also a team side. Hmm. So you know, how do I, if I'm the leader of a team, yeah. how do I then encourage my team to look at this year? Do we, do we need to dream together somehow? Can we work through some of the same kinds of questions? What's our, what's our collective ministry gifting? Yeah. Are we missing somebody that's crucial? Are we, you know, has something shifted in the ministry or the people that we need to be looking at? So yeah. that would be things that there's both that individual side of evaluating, but even the team itself saying, okay, what, what's new? What's, what can we do? Right. Yeah. yeah. Those are, I mean, I think those are, those are great questions and that, that evaluation component is a critical part of, of the visionary process. And I just, man, I think the tyranny of the urgent, we can skip over that. And I think we really do that to our detriment, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We just kind of move on. So the next thing that Nehemiah does, another step that's easy to skip here, communicate to key players. What, what does that look like practically and why is that important? Yeah, so one of the things at this point is we're starting to enter into the action phase a little bit. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll do the two other uh, quadrants of our matrix, but yeah. when you have a, a, a low sense of urgency but a high call to action, what you experience from your people is, is kind of skepticism. Hmm. They go, you keep telling us we're, gonna, we're, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing, it, doing this, but you don't really seem to be very urgent about it. <laughs> You're, you've got this high call to action, but, mm, you know, so they begin to, and that's where I think they, you begin to, well, you've said this like 12 times, but you've never, you know, you, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. I, yeah. I remember a time when I was a senior pastor of a church I had planted and we were going to go through a capital building campaign and I tried to get it started the first time and it didn't didn't go well. I don't yeah. think I had some of the, the pieces that I probably should have thought through better. And then the second time we went through it and it just didn't go. Pretty soon by the third time, I think people were like, yeah, yeah, you're telling us we're going to do this, but <laughs> you know what? There doesn't seem to be a, a real sense of urgency. So, mm, yeah. so I think people get skeptical at that point, and that yeah. that holds them back. Yeah. But when you have sense. a high sense of urgency and mm -hmm. a high call to action, then I think you get inspiration, and that's mm -hmm. that fourth kind of area of the quadrant. Yeah. Um, that's when people get motivated and inspired. So Nehemiah kind of does this in the communication process, and yeah. it's just getting the right people on board and putting them in the right place, quite frankly. So in chapter yeah. three, as he lays this out to them, hey, here's what's happening in Jerusalem. The walls are broken down. We are a disgrace. We are a laughing stock among the nations. And yeah. uh, let's rebuild the walls you yeah. know, so we can can return God's glory to him in who we are. Yeah. Um, 
that I think fired them up and they're, they're like, okay, let's build yeah. at that point. Yeah. But he sells the problem. He doesn't just sell the solution. He sells, hmm. that's good. Look at, if we don't do something, here's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so let's move, let's get moving on this. Right. And that's but, the communication part. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, 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 Identifying not just the solution, but the but the problem, I, I think is really is really critical. C- can you just speak briefly to if you're maybe you're leading a team at church, maybe it's in business or whatever sure. the case may be, or you're trying to to cast a vision that has broad implications or that eventually needs broad buy-in. How important is it to have private conversations with influ- influential people in advance of kind of maybe a more public presentation of what you're trying to do? What role does that play in getting vision going? I think it's really critical if you can do that. Yeah. I, I, you know, we, we look at Nehemiah. He didn't, he kind of was like, I didn't tell anybody, <laughs> you know, what I was going to do. Yeah. Um, but in a sense, he eventually does. Yeah. And I'm sure that he had some of those private conversations so we don't see it. And yeah. I, I would agree with you. I think when you've got key team members, yeah. people you rely on. Um, I think that's really, really important for you to, and involve them in the ownership process of that. So yeah. taking their ideas, if you've got a team, Hey, what do you see that we need to be doing differently? What's working? What's not working right now in our ministry? Yeah. What, you know, where do we need to go with this? And yeah. if they have a voice into it, I think that builds the ownership piece. Yeah, that's huge. It builds ownership. And I think as you, as you alluded to, kind of refines even the idea, right? Oh, the, yeah. the vision gets refined by a multitude of counselors, which there's, you know, obviously a lot of, a lot of benefit to that as well. And and certainly the buy-in component, I think is just, is just critical. Oh yeah. And you know, I watch you do this and some of the, I, I'm not a great creative person, quite frankly. I don't come up with super great ideas on my own. I, I really do depend on a group of people around me that I trust to be able to go, hey, we got this going. What what kind of ideas do you have? Because yeah. I I don't have all the pieces in place, quite frankly. Yeah, me neither. But, well, <laughs> yeah. you, you, seem, you and your team seem to do a great job of yeah. it, but, you know. Good yeah. people around us, Paul. That's Good it. Good people around That's us. It. So, okay, right. you uh, you... Explore your holy discontent. You pray, you evaluate your passion and your fit, you communicate it to key players, Talk to us about the last step. Sure. Execute. Yeah. So um, there's this little phrase I've always remembered, vision without execution is hallucination. So if you have this grand vision, but <laughs> you, you never execute on it, it's just, it's a hallucination, right? It's, it's, it's a pipe dream. Oh, man. Um, so, but Nehemiah is able to engage people. In chapter three, we hear those words. He was like, and Eliashib, the high priest, he rises up with his people. And you go through the whole list of chapter three, and it's a little boring because it's like all these names of people. But you notice that he's getting everyone in on this. Hmm. And from the from the nobles and the leadership to the, the lower people, uh, just the everyday kind of people, men, women, you, you kind of see this cross section of, and I just like to call it the power of everybody. So yeah. He just gets the right people in the right place, and he says, "Okay, let's do it." And they start the process, right? Yeah. And um, and, and I just uh, again, I think it's really important. At some point, you just get moving. Yeah. And here's the thing that I think is important to think of when you think about getting moving. Um, in my experience, but but in watching Nehemiah too, um, it doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, I think some people think if I'm going to have a refreshed vision, then I have to have all the pieces in place. I, yeah. I've got to have everything nailed down. And I think it was General George Patton who said this. He said, a good plan violently executed today is better than a perfect plan executed next week. <laughs> Which sounds <laughs> yeah. like a general, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it does. No, it does. But there's this other military axiom that says no, no plan survives contact with the enemy. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you're constantly like, okay, I'm going to put some things in motion. But if you watch Nehemiah, he's like, he puts, puts it in motion. Then all of a sudden there's a personal attack. Yeah. or something happens, or he needs to set a guard up and they have to split rotations on that. And so he's executing, but then he's having to solve problems that aren't there. And then he's executing and he's, and I yeah. think sometimes people just, they never get going on their yeah. vision because they, just, they it has to be too perfect for them. Yeah. Well, there's a vulnerability, yeah. I think, to oh, yeah. to execution, right? And And on some level, we can get so frozen by that vulnerability to the point that we're desiring perfection when perfection is is unrealistic. And we can yes. sit, we can sit here for a whole nother hour and talk about okay how do I know when I'm ready to ready to go and, and ready to not do it. But it there's it feels like and we certainly see this in Nehemiah's life that that on some level, executing vision requires courage. And there's just no Great substitute point. for that, right? Is that, I mean, would you, Great yeah, point. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's one of the sticking points people have as well. Yeah. It's like at some point you have to, you got to put yourself out there, right? Yeah. You got to take the, take the leap. Yeah. You know, yeah. probably yeah. at several, several different <laughs> levels. I mean, Nehemiah has to do it with the king, but then he yeah. has to do it later with the people. And then he less, yeah. you know, yeah. so it's, yeah. that that is a great point. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you, Paul, for for first of all for leading the session on uh, on Sunday. I and thank it. you, thank yeah. you for these these insights. So many great things for us to take and and apply as we're seeking to refresh vision and rebuild. So thanks for the time and the insights. Oh man, I'm honored. Thank you, Brian. Take all care. Right. You too. Uh huh. 